You're listening to the Legendarium Blue Team. You have chosen wisely. Please go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show. You're a platinum member at the pl- <laughs> at this brothel. <laughs> and, he's, and he's like, don't blame me. I don't know anything about it. Apparently. <laughs> Welcome to the Legendarium. This is the Blue Team. We are on episode 254. Who'd have thought that this would have gone for 254 episodes? Me. Uh, me. <laughs> okay. Well, in that case, I'm confident like that. Though. Ken would have. Ken, what, what? At what point would you say, "Yeah, I'm going to bet against this lasting any farther"? 478. 478. Okay, yeah. so I was going to go with 3,762 because nope. that's how long I think I'm going to live. If we get to 479, I will be impressed. Okay. 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 Well, in that case, I guess the odds makers in Vegas have now started putting money on that. <laughs> that's if the over you under. are And this has the betting has nothing to do with our with this week's episode, but it just kind of sounded like a good way to go. 254, yeah. we are doing uh we are doing White Knight, Harry Dresden White Knight. And it Book is nine. the full blue team that is here tonight. Myself, yeah. Todd Wente, we've got Ken Johnson, and Megan Smythe. I just ate Chick-fil-A. I'm very full. <laughs> <laughs> and she's happy. She's you know smiling. What? So and happy. Our, and our joy is full because and, we love you, man. And we are glad. Uh, we are all glad. Um, <laughs> so let's do a little bit of housekeeping. For those of you who might be new to the podcast. Oh, sorry. Hold on just a second. Let me pull up my notes. Heaven forbid. I'm doing Patreon, this on Reddit. Different Discord. Yeah. Twitter. <laughs> Instagram something instagram at the legendarium and you can catch any of us if you wanted to send us individual uh email messages you can send them at todd ken or megan by the way that's ken with two n's yeah uh at the legendarium we will get those as well nobody seems to use email anymore drop us a it's letter like a, if you can find us it's like an early 21st century thing now it's all reddit and and uh reddit and instagram and discord yeah so, you know, you keep telling people that I have an email address and I, I keep forgetting to ask Craig if that's actually true. <laughs> so if you've been emailing me, I'm really excited to read it someday. <laughs> and I will respond. Once I find out if it's established. Someday. I'm so sorry. Someday. <laughs> uh, we are, we have been moving quite a well, quite, uh, quite well through the world of Harry Dresden. And I think this one is a, this one has been a fun one. Well, it's hard not to because uh, it just. Man, it just gets moving. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> Speaking of that, Ken, do you have a recap for do us? I have a recap. Come on. So thinking about it, and when the day comes that blue team and red team inevitably throw down, and Megan and Stephanie's new all-women's uh, team sneak attack from the side in the epic legendarium Civil War, I expect that it will look a lot like the carnage rot <laughs> in White Knight. Subtitle, All the Callbacks. I, we're going to have some fun. Oh my. So yet, yet another year has passed in the windy magical nexus. Someone is abducting Wicca around the country and setting up wardens to take the fall, which keeps people on edge around warden Harry Dresden with an evil group of wizards operating in the shadows and a traitor somewhere on the council. It catches the interest of Chicago's resident wizard PI problem. Number two, the disappearances are all supernatural in nature and all signs point to everyone's favorite white court incubus is the culprit. Of course it's not Thomas. It's just not. <laughs> Spoiler alert. 
that would have made sense. No, I know. And uh, which means we were all saying, no, it's not. Tommy. It was set right? up way too early and way too easily. And so thanks to some help, courtesy of Helen Beckett from Stormfront, callback number one, and his original girlfriend, Elaine, from Summer Night and the Willow Rosenberg knitting circle of unfulfilled middle-aged Wicca. Harry discovers a new white court faction is trying to hostilely take over the white court. White court, not white council. This mm-hmm. is so confusing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're trying to take over the white court from House Wraith. It makes sense because White King Lord Wraith is just a room temperature skin puppet. So it should be easy pickings, except for the more cunning than she appears daughter Laura Wraith from Blood Rites orchestrated the whole thing so effectively that Lauren Mazel would be jealous. That's a classical music reference. Look it up. Okay, because I don't get it. All right, look it up. I went, I went obscure with that one. You yep. went obscure. Yeah. After Again, for obscure mu- references, please. Yeah, there you go. After a visit to Gentleman Johnny Marconi from all the books. Yay! And a few more Star Wars references later, Harry, Elaine, Warden, Ramirez, Murphy, Thomas, a partridge in a pear tree, they all go on the defensive to House Wraith. Or, or to the defense of House Wraith, excuse me. Read your own writing. Murphy points out Harry's years-long lashial-induced mood and growing temper with his new Padawan have become a problem. But Harry learns control just in time to survive a dual madrigal wraith and the Scavis, 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 Scavis. Uh, I with, listen to James Marsters. Madrig- Scavis. Oh, he's so cool. Yeah, the British like to say things oddly, though. He's not British, though. <laughs> he isn't? No. Oh, my gosh. Now I have to rearrange my whole brain. <laughs> anyway, that's okay. Last year, to do it for you. Duel with madrigal wraith and the Scavis, who are also puppets of Cowl from Deadbeat. Turns out the shade of Lashiel sacrifices itself to save Harry, so he loses the ability to know all things he shouldn't, but life is also now brighter. Probably a win overall. Also, we find out about that little girl in the hospital, so death masks call back, yay? Yeah. So, let me ask you, if you could soul gaze people, what format do you think you would see it? Because that's the thing that, you know, was in the book. Harry now has an ally on the secret hunt for the Black Council. That's kind of huge. Harry can somehow wield power over outsiders. That's, huh? That's going to be interesting. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And Harry somehow manages to willpower uh, Lashiel out of his head without having to forsake his magic forever. Huh. Whoever would have saw that coming? I didn't see it coming that soon. I know. That's what I thought, too. I didn't see it coming that I soon. I didn't see but... it coming that way. We're yeah. going to have a fun conversation. Talk about that. about that. But it's also... At, uh, let's mourn the death of my prediction that we would get a new Knight of the Cross in this book. Oh, well. But the book... Further lends credence to my revised prediction that it won't be Murphy. We'll talk about that, too. So, uh, anyway, you can get more with a kind word and a well-applied kinomancy than you can with just a kind word. Let's discuss. <laughs> but what about volcanomancy? <sighs> volcanomancy. So many cool stuff. Oh, my word. We didn't <laughs> even, I didn't even touch on New Mexico in this book or, you know. So, before we dive into everything, does this feel like it was two different books that were kind of shoehorned together to anybody else. I feel like several yeah. of them have felt like that. Like the last book felt like a couple of different books put together. You know, this is this one really was well. kind of yeah, really, very yes. really well. It was kind of the cherry on top of a point that's been made on Reddit a few times is that none of these books singly are epic fantasy, but this series together is very epic. Yeah. In scope. This is this is an epic fantasy series with a bunch of serial books put together i yeah. think and this this one felt very epic to me oh yeah for me um as i was going through and i was thinking about it it felt um one one of the things that i've been that i've been learning to do as i've as i've been reading these books is 
on the on the pacing. I know when I get to about chapter twenty, that it's about halfway done. He's he and and I don't look at the chapter count in advance, but but lately it's been somewhere between thirty five and forty chapters is his, is his chapter count. And so I get to chapter twenty and I kind of say to myself, okay, looks like you know looks like I think we've got all the right players in place. Um, now we'll just kind of see how it all runs together. In this book, chapter twenty, he's pretty well putting an end to all of the problems mm-hmm. that are going on with the abduction of Wicca, right? Uh, of of the of the Wicca practitioners, and I'm saying to myself, okay, wait a minute. There's twenty chapters left mm-hmm. in this book. <laughs> so what are the next twenty chapters going to be about? And I'll tell you what. Um, for me, I was absolutely impressed. Uh, at the way that the final the final twenty chapters, which feel like a completely separate kind of a of a book, a nice bridge in between them, but they feel like two separate novellas, I guess is the best way to put it, that were that were shoehorned together to make sense with each other, um, that it gave a reason for the duel. But my goodness, I don't think I have ever seen or read a better long running fight scene sequence than this one with uh magic duel versus vampires come ghoul invasion come saved by gentleman johnny marconi come saved by i mean it yeah. just kept mm-hmm. coming layer after layer after layer of everything that was going on I, I i really 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 fun read but it but it felt very much like I was being caught off guard as to how much was that going to happen mm-hmm. in the last twenty chapters. Oh yeah, and it, the fact that it, he could just pile layer on layer of punching. Of punch. <laughs> so, it, so many different it, variations. It really was. I mean, we we don't say we don't. <clears throat> I mean, we say punching more than we probably should. But it was this was good old fashioned. Let's get to the punching type action. It was just here's some. Here's more. Here's more. And it just keeps building yeah. and it culminates in this huge payoff. I mean, and it really is it paid off very well, not not just in the terms of action, in, in terms of once it's all done, you sit back and you go, holy smoke, that was that was fun stuff. But also in all of the dealings that he makes with Laura Wraith, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, that that are designed to help the the white council, but also kind of makes the white court a bigger player later because uh, because he uh they kind of come to an understanding but i i felt like and this is kind of a non sequitur into into a different point but i felt like coming out of of uh deadbeat no coming out of proven guilty blood rights i think it was oh right coming out of blood rights when he kind of helps lara wraith become the power behind the the white court. It, it felt like there was a, with his relationship with Thomas, like there was a kind of a friendly understanding between Harry and the white court mm-hmm. for the last few books. You're like, Oh yeah, it's the white court, but it's okay. Cause Harry's kind of cool with them and they're kind of cool with Harry. And at the end of this book, you come to the realization that no, they really are not. There is, no. there is going to be some epic kind of throwdown between uh, Lara Wraith and the White Court and the White Council, and I think it's going to end up somewhere along the lines of peace talks because there was a lot of talk in peace talks, and I guess that's book eleven. I don't remember what book it is exactly, but it's I can't remember either. it's a few books away. 
And I, I think there ends up being some kind of like red court power vacuum that the white court kind of steps into. And that's going to change a whole dynamic between the white court and the white council. I know we're, we're probably not into predictions yet, but there was, there's something big looming between the white court and Harry. Yes. Or at least yeah. the white court and the white council. Cause Ramirez is squarely in his corner now too. So when I thought it was interesting, when uh, Ramirez came to, you know, they get to that conversation at the end where he says, but really, you don't trust me. I need to know some things that are going on here. This and I like this is my this is what I think. And this and this and this and this all seems to be coming together. What else is there? And Harry's like, no, that's about it. And I was just thinking there is so much more than that. But also, I guess that's all he's asking about for now. Yeah. But how much longer is the White Council going to be able to be left in the dark before somebody starts realizing other things? I'm excited that Last Shield is no longer a threat. Right. That was that, that was, was always going to be terrible. That was very anticlimactic. Was it? When, well, when he called Father Fort Hill to go and pick up the coin, I was like, wait, so is the coin neutered? Is I, he completely bereft of the whole of all of that? I feel like power? I feel like we're jumping around very much and I'm, we, I'm cool with it. We, we are. But I, I don't think the coin is neutered. I think that the shade is gone. Right. But I think the power still is in the coin, which is why he calls Father Fort Hill. Correct. Correct. So. Okay. And and let's let's come back to let's come back to that a little bit later. First, I okay. want to ask a question. I like that you say correct like you know what's coming. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> Todd's very smart. Well, Todd, should, it's just always exciting when Todd and Ken agree on something. Let's acknowledge that for a moment. Does that happen very okay. often? Eh, more yeah, than you think. More th it's exciting. It, thank you. I appreciate that. You're very sweet to say so. I know. Um, we, <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot of love here tonight. And when all three of us agree on something, look out. Um, so what was the biggest surprise of this book for you? Ooh. I that think, is a good question. I think my biggest surprise was Molly... Uh, I don't want to say towing the line because she was very rebellious through the whole thing, but I think it was her understanding so quickly because it's only it's been less than a year that she's been working with Harry, but understanding so quickly what the stakes are and for Harry to trust her to be able to say, okay, you can help. You get it now. You understand that that we I use my power because there's nobody else to do it and because I can, not because I you know, not for the sake of power, not because I want to rule over people. And Molly finally starts to understand that because that was something where she wasn't necessarily using her power as a power play, but she also was like, I have this power. I can use it. I can quote unquote help people by yeah. burrowing into my friends' brains and, you know, without their permission. When, when Harry, when Harry and Molly are having the conversation, when Harry's having the conversation with Murphy, Mm -hmm. uh, when she's going, uh, yeah, the little miniature son into the face thing, was that appropriate? <laughs> yeah. And Harry's like, somebody did it to me. It wasn't going to be a problem. She wasn't going to get burned. I yeah. wasn't out of control, all that kind of stuff. But the, the conversation that then came out of it of, it's not about that she can do magic. It's about why she can do magic. Yeah. And that you have to understand that just because you think it's the right thing doesn't mean it is the right thing. Yeah. Um, I was really, I, I have, that, that's a, that's a, um, that's a theme that's starting to show up a little bit more frequently as Harry moves through this, as he starts to ask himself, is this the, is this what I should be doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, not that he can, not, not that it's a question of whether or not he can, 
but it's a question of whether or not he should. Yeah. And I think when, you know, when we, when we, when we look at life, maybe that's, maybe that's a theme on a level three discussion that, that we have not touched on that has not really been, been laid out very well in, in some of our other, some of the other books that we've read. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is certainly one that, that I am beginning to appreciate more and more, um, as I, as I look at not just how Jim Butcher puts those ideas across, but as I see glimpses of it in other places, the, not the idea that you can do something, but the question of why you would do something right. or why you would choose not to really powerful question that I think, uh, is, I think we're going to get a lot more discussion out of that yeah. one in not only in this book, but in other books. Well, come. and he's using it in a lot of ways, like bringing in Marconi, Marcone, Marcone. Marconi. Uh-huh. You both just said that differently. Mar- Marconi. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is. That did not clear it up at according all. According to James Marsters, Marconi. So I'm just going to call him John. Are um, you sure? Gentleman according to James Johnny. Marsters. James Marsters. We're going to have to go back and listen to that because I. Anyway. Um, Gentleman Johnny Marconi. I'm going to say it Marconi anyway. But. I like that it rhymes. Continue. No, it doesn't. Uh, forgot my point. Oh, where. um. You know, everybody's a little bit surprised that he brings in this gangster to help out. And and he's like, can you really trust him? He's like, well, I mean, he's there for Marconi. And Marconi realizes what the benefits would be to having a, a can't think of what it's called, a ceasefire, a truce, yeah. being a part of this. He's now he part of the Ancelia Accord. And- yeah, it's affecting him too. And he's, Marconi's out for, Marcone's out for Marconi. <laughs> and, uh. I'm so distracted right now. Uh, say say the way. Yeah, but say like the way being, being able to bring him matter. into it, and I'm then also Ramirez now. is like, uh, so you got this vampire hanging out, and then never, never to come help you out. Like, yep, not gonna, you know. But like again, like Harry is using all of his resources to help out, and he's so that he doesn't have to do it alone. Which again, we've been talking about that a lot, where he's starting to really rely on trust, he's, rely yeah. on and trust people. And here I felt like he just had like all of his people who who have been helping him in the past coming to help him again and except yeah. for Toot Toot. I know. But Sorry, he no but he does mention, you know, that not his necessarily pizza bill is gonna go through the roof. Yeah. And he, so I'm hoping that that comes back at some point. But he, he, it's uh, nice that he's even got the eye out for the fairies. Yeah, and he all solidifies little, his friends of fairies like he, status. He he keeps saying that he's not a politician and he's not politics savvy, but he's very aware. He is very savvy. He's very aware of everything that's going on. He's people savvy. He's not politics savvy. <laughs> I don't know we've, how that's different, but... Continue. We've talked about it in the past about how he likes to play the gruff lone wolf, but in reality, he... Oh, he's does, building it. He does oh, a, he he does a lot just by his nature of yeah. um, looking out for other people and building trust in other people, regardless of their where they lie on the alignment scale, the... the mm-hmm. D&D alignment scale because Johnny Marcone is is totally I mean chaotic neutral lawful evil take your pick you know he's he's somewhere in there he's he's not a good guy but he has he's has not a, as he's not as he's got good intentions and bad methods I I think is he's got a, a code of, he's got a code which would put him lawful but he's obviously not good which would put him evil I don't know anyway that's not my point my point is regardless of where they fall on the alignment scale, he regards them as people. And to the extent that he 
regards them, he will treat them fairly. And he does that regardless of whether you're good, regardless of whether you're evil. And I think it builds respect and trust in Harry from a lot of different sides. He's got the little folk on his side now. He's got the underworld, the criminal underworld on his side. He's got the white court, at least some of the white court on his side. He's got one of the wardens now fully in his corner. And I think Lucio is is quite in his corner as well. I think when when things start to go down, I think Lucio is squarely on Team Harry. Um, he's got he's got this growing network of cops on his side. He's got rogue wizards on his side with Elaine. He's mm-hmm. got the Knights of the Cross. He's building this network, you know, that is all based on Harry is a decent guy. He will do the right thing, even if it's in an unconventional way. He will do the right thing, mm-hmm. and that's going to he will work for the right outcomes. Yes. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Yes. I I I've been I've been trying to find a way to say that for myself, and that's the thing that I think uh, that that I've decided I can say it. He works for the he works for the right outcomes, for the best outcomes, for the best outcomes according to Harry. For the best which, outcomes, which turns out to be for like for the regular people. For the he's best the, outcomes, he's the sheepdog taking care of the sheep. That's the thing is that he is a he is a sheepdog, and he sees it as his responsibility to watch out for the people mm-hmm. who will get crushed otherwise. And so it's really it, it's really quite interesting that Harry is, it, it's almost like, um, I, I, I'm not sure if this is the appropriate way to say this, but it's almost like Harry is um, channeling a kind of Dumbledore attitude toward the muggles of saying that the, the, the muggles are being impacted by all of these kinds of things too. We can't just ignore the fact that people are getting killed. Right. Yeah. And there are so many of the wizard wizarding community that want to, they, you know, they've they've got um, they've got the the white court um, talking about thinning the kine. Um, you know, we've got all these kinds of things where people are being seen as herd animals. Um, all of us, all of us normals, yep. uh, are the are just fodder. We're just in the way. Yeah. And Harry's the only one who refuses to see it that way. That's a that's a fascinating piece. Kim, what was the, you know, so that was the, we, we got off the track of the biggest surprise <laughs> of the book. Um, Kim, yeah. did you have a big well, surprise? Well, and I, I also, sorry, I was oh. also surprised that Molly didn't end up being one of the victims or one of the targets because if they started, they, like, it, it started, they were targeting, you know, women with magical powers and part of this Ordo. And then they moved on to Elaine because she was an obvious threat and, you well, know, I, I feel like it was... would have just been an easy step to Molly once they realized her being involved with Harry, which was one of, another reason why I'm kind of glad that Harry kept telling her to go home. Yeah, yeah. You and cannot I, help. This is not your fight. And I, I'm kind of glad that that she didn't because the last thing I it, it probably would have resolved just fine because Jim Butcher is a fantastic storyteller, but it, it just would have you know placed her in that damsel in distress trope, which. Which she, she was, was the last book. And, you know, she was yeah. the last book. So. Give her a break. So I'm glad she wasn't. But my my biggest surprise probably, and I don't think there were a lot of like, there were some twists, but I don't think there were like a lot of earth shattering surprises. But probably my biggest surprise was the fact that the Lashiel subplot or storyline resolved so tidy, tidily, so neatly. I would use the word elegant. Sure. I think so. Yeah. And I, I know we said it was anticlimactic and you questioned that um, earlier. I, I The only reason I say it was anticlimactic is because I thought it resolved itself very neatly. 
and elegantly. Well, and quickly. It was just kind but, of a one moment she's there and the next person she's gone. Yeah, it's she like, just, wait. She's just gone. It's like, well, wait. I don't think what? I appreciated what just happened there. And, and that maybe that's it. Maybe I didn't appreciate because the, the confrontation with Harry and Lashiel in his mind in, in his apartment when, you know, he keeps her from walking away and she has to hear out what he has to say. Now, it was brilliant. <laughs> it was very well written. And Jim Butcher's understanding of the human condition, by the way, is on full display in this entire book when he talks yeah. about passion and he talks about pain and he talks about um, there was there were a couple of others and I didn't write them all down. But he has such a grasp on what makes people tick. And, and and that was the storyline was great. I just am surprised that it wrapped up. So for me, I'm not um, I'm not sure it's wrapped up. And the reason that I say that is because um, there's 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 two pieces for me that make me think. Okay, Lash may be gone as a conscious entity, but I'm not sure we're done with Lash. Um, a couple of reasons. The, the first one is she said, well, she'll never take me back. This is when Lash discovers that she is no longer necessarily part of Lash Shield. Mm-hmm. She's been part of Harry long enough that Harry's um, resistance to authority and all of those kinds of pieces that she recognizes now that she is as much a part of Harry as she ever was a part of a, a reflection of Lash. And so as a result, she has self-determination. She has all of these kinds of opportunities. And in sacrificing herself, her, her uh, control of a part of his brain to speed his brain up so that he can outwit mm-hmm. uh, all of this despair that is on him mm-hmm. and giving herself up to do that, she rises above everything that Lashiel is. Mm-hmm. But you remember the final scene when he says, and I played, and I played chords that I had that I could yeah. never play before. And I played them in a way that made them sound completely different, effortlessly. The the only other time that I had done that was when I had Lash influencing me. And then, she, and then he says that he hears her say, everything I can, my host. I think, while, while I don't think that Lash's conscious presence is still there, I think that Lash's subconscious influence on Harry is now woven throughout his mind. You remember that when, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was that said that they were, that she looked at his mind and there was significant damage well, to Bob. Harry's mind. It was yeah. Bob. Yeah. Um, and he was saying, oh yeah, there's, there's significant damage. There's all kinds of little holes running through your mind. I think we're going to find that Lash not only caused those, but is using those as a way of cementing herself as part of Harry. Well, Bob kind of, he, he kind of says like, that's what she did. He, he, as much as says, you know, every, every person you come in contact with, any person that you spend significant amounts of time with is going to become a part of you in that way. You'll start um, thinking, oh, this is, this is what so-and-so would think, or I'm going to do this, do this because this matters to this other person. Or, you know, you have, you know, a voice in your head, somebody else's voice in your head. So I would, I'd be reading through this book and I'd think of one of the two of you guys and be like, oh, yeah, no, this is something that so-and-so is going to, oh, this probably made Todd cry, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we get there to know each other and we, we start having those voices in our head. And most of the time, the voice in my head is my mom's. It's a pleasant voice. Good. Um, but he, Bob, t- 
talks about that where he says, you know, she took a part of your soul and or he goes, what? And he goes, no, that's not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean that in a like she stole your soul. I just mean that like you give parts of yourself to other people, especially when you love them and you spend a lot of time with them. Um, and so a, I yeah. like he talks about all of those holes in the brain. And uh, and I don't necessarily think that it's a negative thing because, I mean, I'm not using every single piece of my brain all the time. Right. I'm not even using it right now. And you can probably tell. But what, what were well, you going to say? Well, I think I think two two points on that one i think it's, it's a beautiful way to describe connecting with another person is by giving them part of your soul yeah. and then giving you part of their soul and and he says it'll it'll grow back it's not like you know yeah, your soul now, will. now you've lost part well, of your soul well and here he's a wizard so he has all that time where he could heal in different ways but he's going to heal with other people sure so so i mean basically saying that that shade of lashiel connected with you in a way that that you gave part of yourself to her you yeah. you are invested in that I think the damage to his brain was the parts where she was removed. I don't think I don't think it was she caused damage or she left herself an indelible scar on him or something like that. I think it's part of part of his brain that was, you know, that was consuming or was being occupied by the lashiel shade. And I think once it's gone, it's going to heal itself up in that. Maybe my my personal my personal feeling on it and my personal feeling on him playing the guitar was the fact that he's finally playing without that that specter of the demon wearing him down or the specter mm. of the fallen angel wearing him down. And so now, oh, now he can play he because he doesn't have that anger. He doesn't have that. Yeah. He doesn't have that, that pressure and that darkness on him. And so now his soul is kind of freed up a little bit where he can play those melodies and those, those happy chords and stuff that he couldn't play before. Yeah. Well, and that his was, hand continues to heal which... and his hand continues to heal. And that was, that was my understanding on it. Maybe it is, you know, a shade of that shade of Lashiel. I don't know influencing him i don't know but i i think when you say i don't think we're done with it i think we're not done with it in the way that actual lashiel in the coin is probably going to be pretty ticked off that harry got the best of her influence and so she's going to figure out some way to get herself away from father fort hill or there's a possibility. Get, get yeah. into another body that will actually take up the coin and come after Harry. Heaven forbid she take over Father Fort Hill. Uh, oh, why did you say that to me? I don't know. I'm so sorry. I, oh, no. I didn't I think don't I was going to you that hard. I know, I but that's think, my thought, too. I'm like, do not take Father Fort Hill. I don't think Father... I will come through the never-never and punch I you don't in the think face. Father Fort Hill <laughs> is, I don't think Father Fort Hill is even on the, the, right, the he's menu. Fine. He's... He's uh, he's used he's used in other ways for very for pure Harry's storytelling. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you my I'll I'll tell you my surprise. Um, for me that I was that I was um. That really made me stop, uh, and I I. I was Im I was impressed for all of the wrong reasons at this <laughs> moment in time, uh. um, and it's the scene in the New Mexico desert. Oh, when. Uh, when Harry takes the ghoul and buries him up to his neck and turns the sand to glass around him and then leads the fire ants on a trail mm -hmm. to have it eat his head. Mm -hmm. um, that kind of darkness mm -hmm. um, to think that Harry has been driven to that kind of darkness um, is is a was a really for me was a very disturbing moment. 
Um, now, I don't know if that's because of Lash or if it's because of the war. Yeah. But um, I have some friends who changed because of their involvement in wartime activities. Okay. Like I said, there wasn't a lot of crying in this book, but there was some. Hmm. Um, and in all cases, it was because um, they they fought something so horrific that they didn't realize they were becoming horrific in the process. Mm -hmm. mm. And as I as I was reading through that segment, where um, where Harry saw that the twins had been murdered, um, and and his indignation at the fact that they were children. Um, and, and how he just decimates everything that was connected to those ghouls, um, that were there little, not, not any, not any of us knowing at that point in time, how, how closely the ghouls are going to figure into everything else in the rest of the book. Right. But to see how dark he becomes with those characters was disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. And to think that Harry was okay with it. For me, that was the biggest surprise of this book. That he had been pushed to a point where he was okay with not just the, not just the fighting, not just the defense, not just those kinds of things, but with a torturous destruction of life. That's got to be something that leaves a mark. Yeah, and Ramirez and, and and we do get a we do get an opportunity for Ramirez to kind of confront him about it. Not just there when he says, "How many lessons is this going to take him to learn, Harry?" Yeah, you know that was that was that that was pretty poignant, right? Mm -hmm. um, but also as things go on and Harry starts realizing, um, you know, we talk about the fact that Harry will do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Um. He's, he's becoming much more Machiavellian, um, much more the ends justifies the means than we had seen him in the prior setups. Um, you know, he always kept Marcone at a, at a Marcone. I'll say Marcone. I'm trying to remember. I can't remember. Now. It seems like he says Marconi, but <laughs> yeah, I can't no. remember. Um, we'll we'll he, play it after. He him. always keeps Gentleman John, uh, Gentleman Johnny away from him at, at an arm's length. And now he's keeping him closer. You know, the old phrase, you keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Yeah. Um, he's in, invited him to the Unseelie Accords. He's, he's doing some things. He's, he's making some moves that are very, very, very different. And for me, I wonder if that's because he's getting to a place where he says, I will do whatever it takes to make sure that I minimize the loss of life, even if it means that I have to do some really un, uh, distasteful things in the yeah. process. And he yeah. continues to think that he's the only one that will get hurt by those situations. And he is continually presented with the knowledge that that is not true because he's out there in New Mexico torturing this ghoul and then realizes that there are a ton of people, including the, the recruits, the trainees, that are watching what is happening and seeing him and right. becoming horrified. He, I, multiple people are affected and multiple people will see this and people who care about him 
are getting hurt. And he's he continues to think, oh, it's not that big a deal, which is just sad. I'm I'm hopeful, though, that that is in the past now that last heel is gone. Yeah, I, I don't. So I, I, I wonder. Well, I and it's, it's nice that he's actually got a warden in his like he has someone from from a lot of the different communities where he has Thomas, who he very much trusts and who is a vampire. And he has Murphy, who is a policeman and a normal person. Right. A muggle. A muggle. <laughs> a police goal. Nope, that didn't work. Um, but and, yeah. He, well, it, it helps a lot. I mean, A, that Lashiel's gone, but also that he has Ramirez, who who he can trust now, and who Ramirez tells him, dude, we, I know something is messed up, and I know why you don't tell the White Council, but tell mm -hmm. me. Right. And, and he's got somebody on the White Council that he can actually, and in the Wardens, that he can trust. And... Like I said, I think I think Lucio Lucio is one of those two, um, but without that influence, I I hope that I hope that that those ends justify the means type things are kind of kind of in the past. I mean, and, and it looks like it, it, at the end of this book, like there are things going forward that he's going to influence um magical society in in positive ways too oh, because i hope so well i, well, I mean they, they set idea. up they set up the ordo as kind of a like we were talking about how they should have She's this network we should have this training network for people who are magical but maybe not quite magical enough to rate but we should be aware of them and now we have that network yeah mm -hmm. suddenly that that he and elaine and ramirez are aware of and, and it's nice to have elaine not in the council but of a magical enough quality that she could be white council if she wanted to be, you know, so th they've got that network and he's got Johnny Marcone who's, you know, keep your enemies close and your friends close or your friends close and your enemies closer. And he's got, you know, Marcone right there, which I think is, he's put him in a position where he could really make a mess of things later. Yep. Well, he but, has, but he has also put him in a situation where, um, where, where he can be useful. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. Very. Um, and, and I don't, and I don't think just because of his, uh, access to obedient and loyal military, uh, military mercenaries. <laughs> um, I, I think we're going to, I, 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 it feels like, um, Harry is going to call on Marcone for assistance in other ways. And that he's already starting to put plans in place to be able to do so. How funny that he's got access. He's got like platinum member access to all of Marcone's clubs. And oh okay, gosh, I love that, that so much. <laughs> that I, 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 that's one that I wish I that oh, I that, was... that I the the movie that plays through my mind of Murphy looking at him and saying, "You're a platinum member at the pl <laughs> <laughs> at this brothel," <laughs> and he's and he's like, "Don't blame me. I don't know anything about it." Apparently, <laughs> well, that was it. That was a, yeah. It was a brothel, but it was a gym. Yeah. So, but, but a it, gym. I, I love the the idea that he say, he says it, it's a lot cheaper than my insurance premiums going up every time you come knocking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, which is a, a great little, a great little tweak on the world that that he would do that. But so I want to go back and talk about Ramirez really quick. There's there's there there's an observation that I want to make, and I want to get your guys' take and see what you think. But then there's also a question that I want to ask. Um, what, what were your thoughts at Ramirez's manifestation of magic versus Harry's? I thought it was fantastic. I, I thought it was really cool. I, Harry does say at one point, I'd look it up, but none of my post-its have actual notes on them. <laughs> um, 
Harry says that each person's magic, like you can't reproduce anyone other person's magic because you can't reproduce the way their mind works and what they're thinking about and what they ate that day and how they're feeling. And so it's it's fun to see how magic, um, I, we've already talked about how Molly is a lot stronger in various ways. And we get to see another inkling of that when well, she- Well, she's strong in mental magic. Right, she's strong. And so like she looks in the eyeballs of the corpse and s- experiences what that woman was experiencing when she dies. <laughs> Um, and then to have Ramirez and his funky shield of, you know, he doesn't his make anything shield. disappear, his, but his it makes all the bullets of, turn to sand. His shield of entropy. Yeah. And I, I like the description of the ghouls. I love that. Where he's strong in entropy, whereas uh, Harry is strong in thaumaturgy, whereas Molly. Magic. Yeah. We're yeah. <laughs> in volcano magic. Whereas Molly is strong in, I can't remember what they call it, but uh, in, you know, sensory magic, basically. Yeah. And and we get a little bit of a glimpse at all these different magical styles, which is a nice little soft uh, tweak to what is really a pretty defined hard magic system by by uh, a butcher. Well, and isn't but, it? Oh, I'm sorry. Should nope, I let you finish? Your nope, I'm done. Nah, too late. OK, <laughs> uh, it's it's interesting to me when he's talking with Lucio and she's saying, did you ever realize why I didn't give you a sword? It's because yes. I can't make them anymore yes, I because I have this new that. body. And so I can't I, I'm, I'm not the same that I was. They they mentioned that uh, magic is hereditary. Yes. And uh, on the mother's side. on the mother's side. Um, and I think it, it's interesting that Lucio talks about how this new body frustrates her magic which is uh, which is a great look into the fact that magic is a very physical um entity it's not just you you would think oh it must be mental you have must be you know strong mentally and stuff no it's it's kind of like um you got to have a high midichlorian count to in order to do <laughs> magic in dresden <laughs> world nice nice <laughs> hey let's throw in one more shall we um, he talks about Star Wars all but, the time. All the time. All the time. So we might as well we might as well drop. But yeah, one, but... it's it's mental, it's emotional, it's physical. Well, and, and to talk and to listen to this old woman talk about uh, life in this new body, this young body. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't well, miss the sexual urges. Yeah, <laughs> did she? And I'm and 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 I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, Harry, did you miss that completely? <laughs> um, and well, obviously he did. Um, which is which is funny, but uh, would. Uh, there's there's very little to to um, make this connection, but I wonder if if maybe Ramirez has the ability to to make swords. Maybe. I I wonder I wonder <laughs> if uh, I I wonder if anybody is going to have the ability to make blades again, or if perhaps it will fall to Harry to learn that little bit uh, of hmm. of skill. Um, maybe with Bobby could who knows? Uh, and maybe with the fact that he's got a sword that is sitting there in his in his umbrella stand. Um, hmm. Maybe there's, there's something to go along with that. Um, Ooh. Now we have, we have Ramirez that, that has um, his own, his own look of magic and his own sword and all of those kinds of things. We also have him recovering um, and Harry saying, you know, normally it's me waking up with, you know, everybody standing around me. Yeah. It's kind of nice to have this switched. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw one question and, and I and I just want you to I just want you to say whether or not you think it's even possible. Is it possible that Ramirez is the traitor, and he's trying to bait Harry to find out how much Harry knows? Mm, I think it's possible. I personally don't want to believe that's true, so I'm rejecting it. 
but it is very possible. <laughs> I I will say yes, it's possible because it has not been disproven to be possible. But I refuse to believe it. Well, and he I mean he's I just, fairly I, young and he's powerful, but I I would have a hard time believing that he uh that he has enough clout and enough strength with his magic to be able to accomplish what he has. He's not a terribly subtle person no. that we're aware of. He is able to keep secrets. Um but he I just I I feel like it's I an established. I feel like it's somebody that's in the establishment, and he is definitely not establishment. Because Ramirez doesn't doesn't really have the ability to, at this point, with what we know of his power, um, I don't think he has the ability to create the kind of havoc that he has been. But I could, I could definitely be wrong. I'm wrong yeah. all the time. So I guess. Who knows? I guess the thing that I was wondering about when he when that was going on was, um, and I and I recognize that. That Ramirez, you know, he's and 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 Butcher is writing him so that we want to like him, right? right. So I get that, um, and we want to like Elaine, and we want to like, you know, we want to like all these people except for the Merlin, mm -hmm. and the Merlin's being written so we don't want to like him, mm -hmm. which means that I'm not sure he's actually the one that we have to worry about, um, and and that's one of the things about Jim Butcher's craft that has True. been really well done is that he doesn't leave, he he writes in a way that makes sure that we keep in keep in mind that pretty much everybody except Harry is somebody that we don't know everything about. We don't know everything about Blackstaff McCoy, but we know that he and Harry are starting to mend things together. Mm -hmm. We don't know everything about Ramirez, but we know that Harry and Ramirez get along. We don't know everything about Lucio, but we know that Lucio is friendly to Harry. You know, we yeah. see these glimpses of oh, yeah. things and, mm -hmm. and, um, Butcher writes it in a way that that keeps those question marks, at least for me, hovering, mm -hmm. because he's real good at throwing twists into the into his writing, throwing twists into the book that we don't see coming. Which is why I'm still putting my money on the gatekeeper being gatekeeper. Is that right? Gatekeeper. Yeah. yeah. Why well, I, I still put my money on the gatekeeper being the uh, the traitor. I mean, I because, guess. Oh, go ahead. Well, I, because in the last book, Ebenezer and Harry were so quick to say. Nah, he's solid. Eh, are you yeah, sure? maybe. Are you I, sure? I still think Ebenezer is a question mark. Like it could, it could definitely be him. But I think, it, I don't know. Maybe I just don't think I don't believe that Ramirez is smart enough because he starts asking Harry questions where he's like, "Wait, so this and this and this are going on, and you think that it's somebody on the White Council?" But I, I feel like he would have dug a lot more and asked a whole lot more questions if he was a suspecty guy, but then maybe he's smart enough to know, oh, I'm just going to ask for the bare minimum and then be like, okay, we're good. Maybe. I, I guess know. we'll, uh, certainly we will find out yes. as this continues to unfold. Yeah. Well, um, I still want to know who Cowell is. I, I yeah. haven't figured that out yet. But. Yeah. Oh, that's the thing. If Cowell is the traitor, then we saw him and Ramirez in the same space together. Correct. That's true. So th at that point, at that point, we know it's not Ramirez. Right. But what we don't know is because um, one of the things that Harry keeps mentioning and Ramirez has also mentioned it is that it's not a single individual. True. And so we don't know how many are on the black. On uh, we know that we know that Let's somebody call them the black council. They just set it up for. We know that somebody that. on the black council is high up enough black that cat. they know all of the pieces of information that they would need to know. All the all the all the intelligence. Yeah, that's true. And Ramirez, if Ramirez knew where they were going and he was in league with Cowell, then that would be how Cowell would know where to go. Yeah. In order to ambush them. So there's 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 plenty of there's plenty of opportunity for some of this to go. Yeah. 
for for some of this to be you know fodder for a yeah. lot of conversation. I'm oh, curious yeah. how you all feel about Elaine being back. How do you feel about that? I'm fine with it. Did I, any did anybody else roll their eyes every time Harry talked about her legs look just as good as I remember? And I'm just like, Ugh. <laughs> I, I I knew once that, a 16 year old boy. I knew that you uh, your eyes would roll it. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I I I don't know what you're talking about. Uh huh. Uh -huh. That's because you listened to it on audio and you didn't read the book. <laughs> no. Yes, no, I'm kind of a I'm a I'm a reading the book snob. Focus, Harry. Focus. It has it it has, <laughs> it has it has more to do with the fact that as I listened to it, I was like, focus, Todd, focus. Um. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of other things going on. That's true. <laughs> I had some trouble focusing while reading. Um, aside that, that, that aside, speaking of descriptions of her aside, I'm I don't have a problem with her being back. I think it's interesting no, she that great. she's set herself up as kind of. Uh, West Coast Harry, you know, is yeah. private investigator, wizard investigator. I'm in the yellow pages. But including putting herself down as wizard. Yeah. I, I, I just, I think it's brilliant that she somehow convinced Ramirez that she's not a legit wizard. I'm going to say I'm a wizard, but I'm not really that talented. I'm not really that powerful, but I, yeah. did she, was she in part of the, was she in the fight? Did he get a chance she to She was not in him? the fight. Okay. She was not in the fight. No, so. she was. She she was pretended. She kind of was dying in the bathtub. She was recovering oh, from right. the from from the despair induced suicide. Right, right, right. Attempt. Um. But but what a and, and again with Elaine showing off her different kind of magic. Mm -hmm. Um. Butcher's done a wonderful job of of describing the different kinds of magic that come. All of the same. All of the same pieces involved, but tremendously different outcomes well especially when elaine and harry were both trained by the same wizard yeah yeah so they would have had a lot of similarities it's very cool that they can you know talk to each other in their brains i don't want to say read each other's minds but i guess that's basically what they're doing that was yeah that was neat projecting that little psychic pro projection or the connection it's a really good way to say it projecting their thoughts because mm -hmm. um, they project their thoughts to each other yeah it's not that they can dig into each other's mind but they can share what they're thinking right it was a conscious mind. effort yeah. which is a Fantastic way to do that. And it also brought up a question I had in this book a couple of times is how exactly do real names work? I mean, and what yes. I mean by that is if you have somebody's real name, you can, you know, totally mess with them uh, in, you know, a power yeah. way. But, sorry, uh, but I, I just, I, th there are several questions I have about real names. Like, is this the name that you were given at birth? Is this a name that you have given yourself? Is, can you change your real name? Uh, mm. Do you have to say some incantation and say, this is now my real name of abracadabra, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Can you add to your real name later? I, I, I wonder. Um, I know that I am taken back to um, uh, a wizard of Earthsea where the names of things uh, mm -hmm. meant that you had power over them. If you knew a thing's name, then you knew it's then, then you had power over it. You had power to release it. You had power to control it. You had power to free it. Sure. Um, and you had power to bind it. And so, yeah, there's something, there's, there's certainly something to do with the naming of things. And Harry says, uh, no one would be so careless as to give their full name mm -hmm. uh, at any gathering, which is why when he was getting the names from everyone that was at the, at the Ordo, they were all careful to not give their full names. Yeah. Yep. Um, and even they knew that. So, yeah, I think it's interesting, though, thinking about how important a name is to a person where, you know, you walk up to somebody and say, oh, hey, Todd, rather than just being like, oh, hey, buddy, how yeah. you doing? Like, 
the fact that you know their name or like I I my last name is S M Y T H, which people pronounce Smith, they pronounce Smythe. It is I pronounce it Smythe. But you know, like if people spell my name wrong, I'll look at it and just be like, Oh, do I correct it? I don't know. But it, it it means something to me when people take the time to to say my name correctly, or it means something to me when um like a nickname can be very important to people. Or if people shorten my name and I'm like, you don't know me well enough to call me Meg. That is not a thing you can do. Um, Ken, yes, you know me well enough to call me Meg. That's fine. I would never have even entered my mind to have called you Meg. Well, now you know that that is an option for you. Also. Yeah, you're welcome. But, you know, to have something like that where I I will say, oh, my name is Megan. And somebody, you know, if they say the name slightly differently, I notice it doesn't matter. But when people do say my name the way I say it, I kind of little internally, I'm just like, oh, you care enough to say it correctly. Thank you. Like, I don't Aww. know. I just think it's just that kind of extra level where it's like, this is something that matters to that wizard. So I can take it and I can either like, you know, cherish it or I can twist it and use yeah. it to make you crazy. Megan but... Smith. Nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of making us crazy, how about that scene between Laura and Harry? when Harry decides to create a ball of force around them with his shield. I was so not expecting that. (laughs) That's why I needed a chocolate milkshake. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Focus, Harry. Focus. I, yeah. Um, Wow. Speaking of describing things, holy smoke. Holy mackerel. Yeah. There was, wow. Wow. I did not not enjoy reading that part. <laughs> it was porn. <laughs> it, was. it was porn. Yeah, it 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 really was. You know, and after after magic, having Harry magic porn after having Harry on the set of a porn movie, I think there was more there oh than gosh. there was in that porn film. That was my other favorite, where where he's he goes back to Molly. Um, in Thomas's <laughs> case, he was nearly sacrificed by a cult of porn star sorceresses in one of those caves. If you, I'm sorry, Molly said, interrupting. But it sounded like you said cult of porn star sorceresses. Yeah, I said. Oh, she said, give me a skeptical look. Sorry then, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing gave new meaning to the term hard magic. Uh, oh, wow. Ken, mm. I can't believe you just did that. Um, There's come a on. part of me that was rooting for poor Harry because it has been so long. Four and a half years, and also apparently. You. And... As soon as she tries to go in for the kill, the love that Harry has and that was shared with him by Susan still still protects him. Yeah. Let's point out, though, since, you know, because because if it's been four and a half years, that means his son is three and a half years old. <laughs> You're still going with it. I'm still going with it. Until You're still going it, with Until that. it's disproven, I'm going with it. Or All daughter. Right. I want to say daughter because now, oh, oh wait, no, magic daughter. doesn't necessarily pass from man to man. Why not? Why not daughter? I don't know. So, I love it. Half vampire baby. So, um, was there a was there a particular part of this that we, that we haven't talked about that you said to yourself, "Oh my gosh, that was a great moment," or "That was a great line," or "That was a great sequence"? Um, I really, I was very grateful that we knew we were kind of concerned. I was kind of concerned about Thomas for a minute. Where I'm like, "It's I don't I don't really know where this is going," but I'm pretty sure he's not the bad guy. Tomas. And then he's, Tomas. I wasn't going with that one. No, where where Harry was thinking that the, um, Thomas was part of the kidnappers, kidnappers slash murderers, and it turns out he's trying to hide these women, 
and he takes him to a boat and, you know, has them all shoved into a small place. And turns out he locks the bad guy in there with him. Oops. He is a kidnapper, but he's not a bad kidnapper. I was I was worried about it. I was worried about it until we got to his apartment and we saw all of the the blatant evidence. Yeah. Yeah. And that left me going. Yeah, it's not him because this has never been subtle. Too much. Yeah, there's too much here. Although I really, I I did thoroughly enjoy the whole hairdresser thing. <laughs> oh my! I thought God. that makes so much sense. And it you, really does. And and you so know the, much. the the uh, the whole uh, the whole deal where he where he's keeping up the the affected French accent, mm-hmm. and then finally he lowers his he lowers his voice and he says, "Nobody's going to pay an American for the kind of stuff that yeah. I do, <laughs> right. especially not the prices I charge." It's so true. But I, I and I enjoyed that Harry just played into that like as much as possible. Where he's like. Where, you know, he he goes to the apartment and he's pretending to be the boyfriend with his dog. We get this dog and he moves out and it turns out he's here in this little love nest. <laughs> oh my gosh, Harry. Just, I need more of that, please. Raging, <laughs> raging Queen Harry. <laughs> right, he's got a sense of humor. He has a little bit of fun with it. He's fabulous. Uh, it was, it was pretty cool. You know, he and, he and Harry, it just, it speaks a lot to their relationship that they can both play into that. And they're both just like, yeah, yeah. All right. Whatever you have to do. I thought it was very interesting that it showed that the hunger didn't have to be filled simply by lust. So mm-hmm. glad about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That they're so glad. About well, that. and it, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to get more philosophical than is necessary that than the point warrants, but it, it um, left me thinking, you know, there's there's really something to this idea that love is all purely physical, and it's not. I mean, it's basically it's it, it these wraith vampires feed on emotion, mostly pleasurable emotion, lust primarily. But here is positive emotion that you can feed on, and it left me thinking, you know, it's good to see love shown as something other than purely physical, I guess. I don't know if that's well, reading just, it, more into it than is necessary, but that's, I don't know. That's what it was. Right. Well, and he's, he's giving them something in return, but it's, it's one of those things like as a woman who goes to a hairstylist every couple of months, like I, I look forward to those things and I love having somebody else wash my hair and just feels so good, but I'm really good friends with my stylist. And you know, it's, it's a connection that you can share where it's like, and you go and it feels really good. And then I feel pretty when I leave. And it's just, <laughs> I, I love that Thomas gets to be a part of that. And I, I wish we had known like how, like when that started and when he had the idea. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if I want. Cosmetology just, school. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy that see that's that one the way coming. he's going through. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, he was but, taking night classes. But I think, that, <laughs> well, and, and interestingly enough, guard. Thomas is now back in the fold. Yeah. So yeah. he doesn't need it, but he's keeping it. At yeah. least that's the indication. And he's keeping it, I think, as much because of Justine. Mm-hmm. Oh, how about Justine being a plant? She's so cool. That oh, was man. really well done. And the fact that she's, she's getting well again and that she's so healthy. Yeah. yeah. I was very happy that she was walking around again. And that she was being very conspiratorial. Mm-hmm. Shave and haircut. Cool. Uh, um, so can I share with you my... I mean, there, there, there were a lot of things about this book that were... That were lots of fun for me. No. Okay, okay. go well, ahead. Okay, so thanks for coming, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Even magic has to give way to physics. 
Yes, I loved that. When he goes through and he pulls all of the heat out of Lake oh, Michigan yeah. to create, <laughs> because he says, you know, and he says even, even physics has to give way to magic, specifically the laws of conservation of energy. Mm -hmm. Fuego! And he throws all of that energy up and freezes Lake Michigan. So pulls all the heat right out. Of having yeah. having been to the Great Lakes, um, having lived around the Great Lakes when I was when I was younger, I will I will tell you two things that I have noticed about them. Number one, they are always freaking cold to begin okay. with. Yes, <laughs> but freezing them is a different matter entirely. And for him to say that he has pulled all of the heat out of them to freeze them during the summer months. Yes. Um, this, for me, number one, it was fun because it is, it, for me, it was an indication that James Butcher, as he's, as he's writing these, Jim Butcher, James Marsters, um, uh, the Jim Butcher, as he's, as he's writing these is doing his homework on lots of areas. And he's trying to make sure that he's, that he's closing gaps mm -hmm. that for me, um, yes, this is urban fantasy, but well, let's be honest. Todd's, Todd's a lot about science fiction and the simple fact that he's, that he has talked about this a couple of times and that he has used it as part of his writing just fills me with with appreciation me and, and uh and and uh admiration I for his writing and for his craft absolutely agree he he used the physics thing in uh, the new mexico desert too when he's talking about the ghoul is exceptionally yes, strong but he's still just this weight and so force applied to and there he goes flying yes yeah physics i i love <laughs> I love his attention to detail in his world building. He, he really has, it, it's, he has world building down to a Sandersonian level. I mean, if that, if, if we yeah. can't give any higher praise than that, I mean, really, he, he just, he has so much attention to where he's been, where he's going, even in little things like uh, when we went to Undertown, for yeah. example, it's like, this is a thing that is actually a thing and we're going to incorporate it right now. And 10 bucks says it's going to make sense later because I am meticulous at that. Yeah. Um, he, I, I was going to tell you my thing that impressed me is his little uh, Dresden versus world building in terms of talking about the haves versus the have nots. Oh like, yeah. Like here's, here's this world of people like Harry that have some power. Here's the, the little, uh, the Ordo knitting circle that has a little bit of power. And then there are people that are just going about their day. And they have none. They have no idea mm -hmm. what's going on. And it's these haves versus have-nots and stuff. And he said most of the magical community are have-nots. They don't know all of this never-never stuff. They just kind of have a little bit. And they go about their day. Or they don't even realize they have magical powers. It's, it's a great little... Uh, world building tidbit in, in terms of just kind of showing you the levels of, of power in the world. Yeah. Which I loved. I, I, his entire, his entire Dresden universe is amazing to me. Very cool. And nine books in it's, it really is an epic. This is, this is an epic series on a book by book, book by book basis. And, and, you know, now that, and, and now that you bring that up, nine books in, um, we've, we've covered a lot of ground. Um, we've, we've covered a lot of ground with Harry. We've covered a lot of ground with Harry's friends. Mm -hmm. Um, and there is still a lot of ground to cover. In oh, fact, yeah. one of the things that we keep hearing from people is just wait, <laughs> just keep waiting. You know, I mean, I remember, I remember hearing that from, from, from Craig and Ryan 
Oh, just wait until you get to book three. Wait until it, book three. And yeah. now we're hearing it from the entire Reddit universe. Oh, just wait until... Blah, blah, blah. Um, and, you know, yes, it's certainly coming, but uh, yeah. uh, it, it feels very much like he unveils just a little bit more and a little yeah. bit more and is pacing at, at bringing us into this world. Although it was a little slow at the beginning and feel, felt more like a detective with some magical powers... Now feels very much like a wizard who happens to do a little bit of private investigating on the side. Right. Yeah. The it which, has it has switched. It has flipped like that. Yeah. Which always ends up being a lot of a bigger deal. Well, and the the whole fact that Lara ended up being kind of the puppet master of the whole thing. Yeah, just, she orchestrated this entire book. Pretty I mean much. that. That gives her a lot of credit where we, in the previous book, we were talking about Ma is Mavra, was she yeah, orchestrating Mavra's. this whole entire, this whole, and you know, the vampires are really are just pulling strings where they can yeah, to try to gain that higher ground. And to, to try and gain leverage over each other mm -hmm. in the midst of the war that's going on. Mm -hmm. And not only the leverage over each other, but the leverage over the entire magical community yeah. where... You remember the the scene they talked about with all of the little fairy folk being in their prisons, mm -hmm. in their little cages, mm -hmm. and that Harry puts it together, oh, that's why the White Court has so much power over the fairy community right now. Yeah. yeah. Because they're pulling strings on lots of levels. Yep. The idea yep. that cat's paws are how the White Court works um, leaves me absolutely convinced that this is not the last time that we're going to see Harry manipulated into doing some things. Um yeah. Oh, yeah. It happens a lot, but it's because Harry cares, and they've realized that that is his weakness. That is his weakness, that he cares about people, and he cares yeah. about people who will get hurt, un who, who have no skin in the game, so to speak. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but that they, are, that they are still people that he feels responsible for. Right, and he's never made a secret out of it, and he's, he's aware that that's one of his weaknesses, but he's yeah. still going to do it because he is a decent human being, and he... Well, I just said that he cares. Yeah, he cares. He loves them. Parting thoughts on this book. Um, we didn't ever talk about it. Uh, any thoughts on the fact that the little girl that with the shroud of Turin is Helen Beckett's daughter? That oh, that yeah. uh, that Johnny Marcone is responsible for being in the hospital. That he's actually somewhat a decent human being. I thought that was cool. That that kind of that hit me out of nowhere, and I just. Maybe that's where I got close the, to crying. Okay, so the funny thing so is cool. when I saw when we saw her soul gaze and saw that Marcone was, was responsible for her daughter uh, dying, we thought, but being hospitalized, I, I went, oh, is that the is that the one? Is that the girl? And it turns out it was the girl. Yeah. She's so he, he really does. He's he's working out of guilt. Uh, a lot of a lot of everything that he's done is out of guilt for this one girl. And so it makes sense that he would bring Helen Beckett under his umbrella to take care of her, but not tell her that, um, by the way, your daughter's alive and I'm right. keeping her alive. Well, because that I, there's nothing that she could do about it. And it no. would just hurt her more. But no. it's the fact that a lot of his motivation is that he tries to, I mean, he's gangsta, he does his stuff, but he tries really hard not to let regular people get injured. Yeah. Or get in, get in the middle of that. He's kind of, he's kind of the muggle variant of Harry. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. He's kind of a non-magical Harry from that standpoint. Do whatever it takes to keep things going, but make sure that he also tries to take care of making sure that people that are non-players are also non-affected. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. Um, so, Ken, you asked at the beginning of this, what would our soul gaze be? Megan, what do you think your soul oh, yeah. gaze would be? I don't know. I don't know. Mine would probably be like a movie, some quick motion picture thing. I, I got nothing. Like silly symphonies. <laughs> okay. Be a cartoon. Okay. I I feel like mine would be kind of like a comic book. Okay. Just like right. just like pictures going by with narration Pal, bubbles. Zonk. Yeah. Bip. Yeah, and mine would mine would probably be um it it would probably be more like classical music. Um That's what I'd guess for you. I think that that would be kind of the direction that it would wind up going. It's yeah. interesting the way that works, but Yeah. So. Um, well, we are, we are pretty much at the end of this conversation. I'd be curious, um, as you are, uh, as, as the rest of our, oh boy, I'm going to have to sneeze. Oh, nope. No, I'm not. Okay. Uh, as the rest of our Reddit community is thinking, or as the rest of our community is thinking about these, I'd really be curious what you guys out in the community would think your soul gaze would look like. If you'd like to log into Reddit and tell us what that'd be, that'd be kind of an entertaining conversation. I'd love to hear about it. Yeah. Um, I'd also like to hear, not not from those of you who have already read these books and you know where it's going, but if you have not read these books, I'd be curious to hear what some of your predictions are going to be of things yeah. that we're going to see over the next couple of books that, that are coming up in the rest of the Dresden Files. Can we talk about our plans coming up? Yeah, let's talk about them in, in broad strokes. We don't, have, reason, we don't have specifics yet, but uh, let's kind of let you guys know what we're thinking about for the upcoming year. The reason I wanted to, to bring it up is because um, I forgot to post a pre-recording oh, no. discussion again. So we didn't have any Reddit questions. Darn it. So what, what we'll do is we'll, we'll post it in the, in the uh, white Knight discussion thread. Yes. If you have any questions that we didn't get to post them there and we will do a probably uh, our next Dresden episode will be a recap episode yeah. of what we've done so far uh, books, uh, blood rights through white Knight, And uh, we'll talk about where we think the series is going and where what we've seen so far and everything and kind of do a catch our breath. And then we'll probably get into something else during the beginning of the year, probably mm -hmm. the expanse. Yep. The expanse is something that a lot of you have said you wanted to, uh, wanted to see us tackle. Mm -hmm. Uh, we've certainly got that. We've got some classical science fiction that we've been talking about uh, a couple of pieces by Arthur C. Clarke and mm -hmm. by Isaac Asimov that mm -hmm. we've been toying with a little bit. Uh, nothing by Frank Herbert. Um, <laughs> I, th I think I'd be shocked Sorry. if I suggested anything by Frank Herbert ever again. Well, um, we're still catching our breath. Yeah, we're still. <laughs> in fact, yeah, we'll just leave but it at this, that. This gives us a chance to catch our breath on, on Dresden. And we'll, I mean, we're not done with it. Obviously. We're not, we're not done with Dresden. We're not, we're not, uh, we're not done with Dresden, but we may be taking a little bit of a break from Dresden to go into a little bit of science fiction for a little while yeah. and have some fun there and then probably come back later on during the next year. Uh, during 2020 and pick up Dresden and and see where some of the rest of this goes. Yeah, there and there's there's been a conversation about reading the next um Brandon Sanderson which is Sky Starsight. Starsight. Yeah, I was way off on that one. Yeah, that and that'll probably be uh toward the beginning of the year. Right. Um not sure if it'll not sure if it'll happen during the uh, Christmas or during the the holiday months. Or if we'll wait until we get to the first of the year, but that sure. one's certainly uh, certainly up and coming. And obviously, we're gonna talk about the rise of Skywalker. 
Well, you know, if we don't, then Red the other guys know. would. So well, we're going to have to force like our to way a into a conversation. conversation. Yeah. We'll, we'll civil war ourselves to see who gets to I, be part of that. I yeah. think I think this is going to have to be a mashup episode. We're going to have to we're going to have to call it Team Purple and get everybody together. Oh, Craig's already got the oh, sharp yeah, objects he's, out. He's going to he's he's, he's going to stab somebody. He's ready for it. I That's think he's okay. going to stab us if we don't wrap up. So. That's okay. His uh, his his <laughs> little uh, his little scissors remind me that he went to cosmetology school. I have the scars to prove it. Ah, uh, Craig. <laughs> oh, I can't say it with a French accent. Oh, Craig. There's video out there of Craig shaving your head. There is video. That That's yeah. true. But he was certainly not getting any joy from that experience. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>